Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Avatar, the podcast. 2022 edition. Well, I mean, I guess last week was also 2022 edition. <laughs> Technically, yes. Technically, yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year, Happy everyone. Happy New Year. This, so spoilers, this is the first episode we're recording in the new year. So we're very excited <laughs> to go. be back. And we cannot <laughs> wait to read through all of these wonderful comic books and graphic novels with all of you. Amazing fan base. Can't wait. I know, yeah. what, know what I really can't wait for in 2022, if I'm being honest. What's that? The next Angmazing. I don't know what it's going to be. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Angmazing was so 2021. Yes. It's so Something 2021. Something else is going to trend in 2022. That's what I'm hoping for. And if not, Angmazing is still great. It's still yep. still relevant. It's still hip. It's what the kids use all the time on the streets. I know. Got my ear to the streets <laughs> with the youth. I don't uh-huh. know what I'm talking about anymore. I'm, I'm completely youth, lost it. <laughs> the, the youth. Hotman. The Hotman. Flamio <laughs> Hotman. Hotman. Yep. We have a little bit of some news, some updates for the podcast for the foreseeable future, let's say. Now, this might come as somewhat of a disappointment to some of our fans, but it's something that right now needs to happen for Acorn and I's sanity. We are going to be changing to a bi-weekly release schedule. So that's every other week. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because what we learned from Katara and the Pirate Silver as well as this episode, it takes a long time to read all these comics and summarize them way longer than the episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. I was shocked. Yeah. (laughs) And for anyone who is a fan of my content specifically and knows about Adapt This, a DC Animated Universe podcast, I can't believe I can still say that pretty well. Jeez, it's been a while since we recorded anything. Thank you. Thank you. I guess once you say it a few hundred times, it's just always in your brain and you go on autopilot. Yep. I knew it was going to be quite a bit of a challenge, but the level of detail in which we go into this show and what we want to provide for our fans, whether you support the show in any way or not, or you just listen in the background, which is completely awesome as well. We want to make sure we're still hitting that quality for you. Mm -hmm. And it would be, I don't want to say impossible, but extremely difficult to do that with the comics right now. So we're moving to a biweekly schedule. We apologize This is an inconvenience. And if you are now enraged so much that you are throwing your phone against the wall and it's broken in a million pieces and you don't want to listen to us anymore, we completely understand. We're sorry. (laughs) But it just had to happen. We need to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. We need sleep. So need some time throughout the week. That's right. But this is something that we're going to be doing for the comics. By the time we get through the comics and into core, we might change that again. So stay tuned. Maybe we go back to weekly. Maybe we stay bi-weekly. We don't know. We don't know. Yep. The future only knows right now. Speaking of better news, Acorn and I just wanted to say a brief thank you for all 200 of our reviews on the U.S. Apple podcast side. AC, oh my God. We hit 200. It was either yesterday or the day before as of recording this. And uh-huh. I couldn't wait to tell Acorn. Usually what I do is we get a new one. I go, hey, Acorn, it's, it's 191. Hey, Acorn, it's 192. Hey, Acorn, it's 192. <laughs> but I resisted the urge. And I sat on this and I almost imploded from excitement. And not only am I excited about that milestone, but we hit 90 reviews on the new Spotify review system that they have. Which is like barely a month old. Yeah, it's a week or two old, I think. It's it's super new. And yeah. we hit 90 in lightning speed, in lightning bending direction. I don't have a... <laughs> I don't have a good metaphor for that. It was so fast. I can't believe it. And we just want to say thank you so much for that. And the Spotify one, we're not sure what the impact of that is in terms of anything on the podcast, other than 90 of you took the time to review it for five stars. So thank you. And anyone new who finds the podcast sees that 90 people vouch for it and love it which means it's more likely that they're going to try it themselves. So thank you so much, you amazing listeners. Thank you. And if a couple of you hit the four star, fair. Yeah. Fair. Absolutely. Feels like just yesterday we were at 50 reviews. Like this is insane. It's breaking my brain. Yeah, I know. It makes me, it made me a little nervous for recording, but I'm glad we're back. And speaking of reviews, we have quite a few to read right now. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And these are coming from which country? So the first two came in from our break from Canada. So I thought we would just kind of address those right now. Mm-hmm. And then the remainder are coming from Germany. Amazing. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, our first review comes from Stephen from Canada. 
who says, good golly, Greg and Acorn, number one. Humble Spotify listener here. The work you guys put into this podcast is top tier and does not go unnoticed. You're the absolute best of the best in the Avatar community. Thanks for the pod. Quick character rank. Number one, Sokka. Number two, Zuko. Number three, Toph. Number four, Suki. And number five, the big bad badger moles who live in the tunnels. They hate the wolf bats, but love the sounds. I love this top five. That's a line from the song, right? It is. It is. You're right. I wasn't even connecting that. Oh, geez. <laughs> big I bad badger moles. <laughs> Such a great, great review. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. That's awesome. All right. The next one comes from Go Team Avatar, the podcast. And we have a sneaky suspicion that this review came in from Spotify and was written just for us based if on so, that alone. Thank you. Thank you for going out of your way. Thank you. And if not, who's this other avatar of the podcast and where can I find him? Because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm punching my hand right now in a threatening gesture. <laughs> not to you, to that. Anyway, sorry. Top tier is what they write. I just received my Spotify review for 2021. And even before my top selections for podcasts was announced, I knew you guys dominated by a landslide. Top tier, my friends. Keep up the amazing work. Man, speaking of impact in yes. 2021, when those tweets and comments started coming through for the Spotify wrapped for 2021, I was like bowled over emotionally. Mm -hmm. So many of you have listened to us for so many hours in 2021 and sharing it and seeing your screenshots like, oh my God. There was a number of you that listened to us on your birthday. So yeah, happy birthday. For those of you who did, happy birthday yeah. belatedly. That's a weird stat that they track, but I thought it was pretty uh -huh. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Our next review comes from Lonsky1006, who writes, The best podcast for Avatar lovers. Hi, Acorn. Hi, Greg. Love your podcast. It's very well researched and detailed, as well as being really funny. I've been binge listening for the last couple of weeks and have almost cut up to you, cry face. Oh, no. I'm really looking forward to book three, especially Zuko's character growth. Lots of love from Germany. This one came oh. in October, just so everyone knows. So, yes, I'm sure they're all caught up by now, but that's very nice. So nice. Yeah. Uh, the next one comes from Snips Tano, which is a Star Wars reference for anyone <gasps> is uh, it? wondering. Yep. Yep. Ahsoka's nickname is Snips. I don't know. I don't oh, remember right. why, but that's her nickname. Last name Tano. Yep. Tano. Yep. Snips writes new favorite podcast. Best period podcast period ever exclamation mark. And that's all in caps. I've started listening to the podcast about a month ago so that my workouts wouldn't be as boring and I couldn't stop listening ever since. I'm all caught up already and currently watching the Avatar episodes on the YouTube channel. Keep up the good work. Iroh would be proud. And then it looks oh. like a teacup with some sparkles or some stars. Oh my heart. I hope Iroh would be proud if he knew. I would be devastated if Iroh blinked into existence and was like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I would die. I would crawl <laughs> under my desk. Yep. And I would lower it because it's a standing desk that I never used to stand, but it's a little higher. I'd lower it to the lowest possible setting and grab a blanket and cry. Yep. That would be your home from then on. That would be that would be that would be where I live. And I would eat scraps of paper from my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thankfully or not so thankfully, that's not going to happen. Yes. But if it did, I like to think that Iroh would be proud. I hope so. Thank you so much for that review and Thank that you. small existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Our next review, next review comes from Bella Guapa, who writes, honestly, perfect. You can absolutely tell how much both Greg and Acorn adore the show and preparing all the extra research. Listening to two people be so passionate about this masterpiece of a show and providing such interesting perspectives and tidbits while coming off so approachable and humorous is absolutely refreshing. A gem of a podcast and a little smiley face with hearts. Oh, that's awesome. What a compliment. Oh I my know. gosh. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And we've said this before, but just being able to share our passion for this show that we love so much yeah. with you, our equally passionate viewers, is really the best part. It is. It really is. And um, we appreciate all of the written reviews that come in, but I, I think I've said this before. But I really love when someone reviews the show as a whole and kind of like as if they're recommending to a friend. Mm -hmm. You know, I really appreciate those. And that's what it looks like happened here, which is great from Bella. So, yay. The next one comes from Charlotte underscore BJK. And Charlotte writes, so great. I just love the show. 
The only thing I don't like about it is having to wait a week until the next episode comes out. But I kind of like waiting for it because otherwise I would just binge and wouldn't have anything left to look forward to. <laughs> Fair. Completely relatable. Yep. I'm that way with a lot of uh, like Netflix shows and Hulu shows and all of that. And now Book of Boba Fett with Disney Plus. I'm like, I want it all now. But at the same time, it's like, well, if I had it all now, I wouldn't have anything for like months. It'd be done in like a day. Yeah, that'd yep. be it. That'd be it. Totally get it. Acorn and Booster go deep down into the rabbit hole of the Avatar universe and dig out lots of fun trivia, goofs, and aspects of the show you might never thought about. Oh, thank you, Charlotte. Yay, Again, thank you. a little bit of just like, hey, by the way, this is what they do in this show. You should listen to it because this is what they do in this show. I know I'm just highlighting this over and over again. I'm sure it's driving Acorn nuts in, in the Google Doc <laughs> that we share. And I know no one else can see that, but I want you all to know that I was doing that. I was very excited. Thank you, Charlotte. I appreciate it. And we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the next one comes from Translated, Entertaining and Successful, which is written in German, which I do not speak German, but it's <laughs> something like Unterhaltsam Ungelungen. Between the two of us, you are the more comfortable with that because of your Dark Companion podcast that just yes. recently wrapped up. So when this one yes. came in, I was like, hey, Corn, you're going to be this you. <laughs> you're going to say this one. You're saying uh -huh. this. Yes. But they say, love it. I just watched your latest Avatar, and it's funny to hear you talk about how excited you are about the new Avatar content coming soon because your show is already new Avatar content and we all love it. My heart, oh. my heart just grew three sizes right there yep. with that. If any of you believe that, that this to you is new Avatar content, that's like the best compliment. It really is. I don't, I can't think of a better compliment at all, ever, period. And it could be like, Greg, you're perfect in every way. I'd be like, no, this is the best compliment. That we make content that the Avatar community, the Avatar The Last Airbender community just considers new content. It's like kind of the dream right there. I mean, basically, like, oh man, no cry, I think Greg. we've made it. No like, cry. we didn't really have goals coming into this, but yeah. I think we made it. That's all of this is it. I have, I have a goal. I'm going to announce it right now for the podcast for 2022. Acorn's like, oh my God, what is he saying? This is not on the script, Greg. Come on, what are you talking about? What's I want to say my goal is to get Acorn to voice a character for whatever Avatar Studios comes out with. That's my oh personal my goal. My personal goal. <laughs> my personal goal. That's a pretty lofty goal, Greg. I don't didn't say I could achieve it, but I'm it's my personal goal. <laughs> you know what we happen. could do? What's that? We could do our own voiceovers for an episode or something. Patreon sure. content, maybe. Sure, sure. But I will rest. But I'll be having this in my mind. I was going to say, I won't rest until Acorn is on. But I, who's going to lie? I can't stop myself from sleeping. It's not going to. It's just can't happen. <laughs> but that's my personal goal. It would be goal. incredible. If anyone listens that works at Avatar Studios, you can just hit us up and uh, let us know. Yeah. Any casting calls? Just you know, send them our calls, way. Who knows? Let us know. Yeah. We'll get Acorn on an episode for sure. Okay. <laughs> By the way, that review went right to my head right there. That's what you witnessed immediately just ego uh, trip Greg kind of like spun off a little bit there spun out of control that's what that did to me <laughs> thank you all so much for leaving the five star reviews we appreciate each and every one of them that comes in whether they have something written or not but as always as 2021 Greg says if you don't write a review we can't read it on the show so if you want your review read on the show go ahead and write it five star review or higher we are going to be circling back at some point to the US side after we mm -hmm. get to acknowledge all of the five-star written reviews from the other countries that we're currently tracking. Mm -hmm. So just keep on writing them and they'll be read at some point. And thank you so much. Thank you. So this episode, we're going to be covering two different books, but that was compiled into one for us. Mm -hmm. so at one point, these were two and now they're one. They are the Team Avatar Tales and the Lost Adventures, all collected into one 300-page giant book. Yep. Now, if you're looking at the timestamping saying, wow, you went through these very quickly for 300 pages. Well, I have something to admit to you. We are not going to cover every single one of these stories because while we enjoyed all of them or most of them, they don't all really add to the mythos or a deeper understanding or deeper mm -hmm. appreciation of the Avatar, the last airbender tales that happened during books one, two and three. Yeah. A lot of the stories are just kind of cute little asides, mini adventures, yeah. but you know, they're kind of fluffy, not too much to talk about, but there are a few that we picked out that we really enjoy that we want to go over. That's right. So this is going to be a little more of a casual conversation kind of episode, because while the ones that are in there that we're going to be discussing are mind blowing to some extent, 
They're not super long. They're only about four or five pages each. Mm-hmm. I think the most one was 10. Yeah. So yeah, they, weren't, they weren't super long. To give you an idea of what we're talking about, there is a little adventure that happens in book one that is titled Don't Blow It. And now the gang wakes up again in book one in a forest and Aang finds himself feeling a bit under the weather, but refuses to admit it. Unfortunately for Aang, airbender sneezes are like a hurricane and they're very hard to hide. <laughs> it launches him in the air and Sokka's breakfast is just, it's now his clothes. You know, something this comic does is answers a question I didn't know I had, yeah. which is what happens when an airbender gets sick yep. and sneezes? And uh, Sokka wears his breakfast is what happens. Yep. Unfortunately, at this point, they are still really trying hard to hide from the Fire Nation forces. So Aang's hurricane sneezes don't really help with that task all that well. (laughs) So they kind of like have to move from place to place a little bit faster. And the sneezes don't stop once they're in the air. Like Mm -hmm. Aang is on Appa. He sneezes, gets launched off of Appa. It's not great. The team finally settles down and sets up camp. And Sokka builds a tent and Katara is feeding sticks to the campfire, which I thought was a really cool callback to uh, an argument they had during the Great Divide. Yeah. I thought that was really, really kind of funny. I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but that reminded me of that. Katara tells Aang that when she she was a little girl and when she was sick, her mother would make blubber paste and rub it on her chest. It was gross, but it worked. Aang tells Katara that the monks used to just let themselves be sick and let their bodies kind of handle it out. Which is uh, for 2021 and 2022, that's kind of a dicey statement to make there in the comic. <laughs> it is. Although historically, that is what Acorn has done. Yeah. I, I don't do really take anything. I make myself chicken soup and drink a lot of water, take some vitamin C, and like yep. that's it. <laughs> when I get sick, I drink a lot of orange juice and drink a lot of water yep. and I just flush it out. I feel that way too. I have to have a pretty bad headache in order to like take something. Uh huh. Same. Yeah. As soon as he kind of gets this thought out about like, yeah, we just let it take your stall and then we figure it out. He launches himself in the air yet again above the tree line. This is where a nearby Fire Nation scouting party really sees him. Aang lands and tells the siblings that it's time to run yet again and the group easily evades capture. Once they are safe distance from the enemy, Aang wonders out loud how they were found. He's kind of like, how they found us? I have no idea. <laughs> But at this point, Katara and Sokka are just done taking chances. So they pretty much tie Aang to a rock and cover him in blubber paste. And he's just like, yep. this is what you're doing now. And specifically, it's blubber and pepperberry paste. Yes, right. Which That's right. is like an allusion to Vicks Rub. Yes, which is very... I haven't smelled Vicks Rub in a very long time, if I'm being honest. But I can still I smell kid, it yeah. by thinking about it. Yeah, it's very potent. Uh-huh. That menthol-y smell. Yep. Sokka is glad that he never gets sick, but then immediately lets out a sneeze and then says, pass the slime defeatedly. (laughs) Yep. So this is like an example, right? This was an entertaining tale, but we don't get too much out of it in terms of like expanding the mythos. Like for me personally, when I read comics or a, a continuation in the comic book format, from an animated series, from a live action movie, from whatever that wasn't originally a comic book. I want something more, something meatier, something to really sink my teeth into. Mm -hmm. Some world building, some perspective we haven't gotten before. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And that's where Relics comes in. I love this comic. This one is... Let's talk about Relics. So good. Acorn. Yes, Greg. What if I told you that some airbenders did survive the initial attacks on the air temples. I would say, tell me everything. Okay, well, I will. So we learn this again in the Relics short story, which is canonical as far as I can tell. I tried to look for anything that said it wasn't, and I couldn't find that. So in my mind, this is canonical. Mm -hmm. This happens right before Team Avatar ventures to the Northern Water Tribe. While shopping in a small Earth Kingdom town, Aang happens upon a merchant who is selling an ancient airbender pendant. The merchant tries to tell Aang that this is not an artifact, but something a man traded for in exchange for medicinal herbs. Aang learns from the merchant that the necklace came from caves up high in the mountains. So Aang waits. This is sneaky. He waits Uh until Sokka and Katara are sleeping and then tiptoes away from the group. And he feels bad about it. Don't get me wrong. 
because he's just up and leaving in the middle middle of the night without telling his friends. But Katara has been so focused on getting to the Northern Water Tribe, with which, if you all remember, when we covered Book One, was very accurate. She was like mm-hmm. tunnel vision with that almost. I feel. And he didn't want to risk her saying no. So Aang finally lands next to an airbender stupa. And Aang is so excited to see the monument and looks down at a nearby man-made cave and notices that there's a fire going on inside. It's lit up, clear as day. Oh, God. And this is in the middle of in the middle of the world, like not near an air temple, right? Right. This is in... um. This is like in a more Arctic like kind of setting. It looked like this was like not anywhere. It's not like a particularly important place. It's just some random location that they yeah, like in at. the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. In the mountains. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the hope that would be? Oh, my God. He'd be feeling at that time. Yeah. Like, not only did I find a relic that isn't old, it's recent, but mm-hmm. I'm now seeing a stupa and light up ahead. Like, yeah. If I was him, I'd be thinking I'm about to be reunited with my people. I would be thinking, or at least the descendants of my people, or someone who knows something, someone I can relate to, something like that, right? Well, Aang runs down the mountain as fast as he can. He's not thinking about anything other than what Acorn just described, is what I imagine. He's just so excited. And he finds the cave filled with airbender relics and a cloaked figure kneeling in front of an airbender statue. Aang tries to find out if the figure is an airbender, but the figure is revealed to actually be the merchant from that same kiosk with a menacing smile. Yeah, yeah. Fire Nation soldiers appear out of nowhere and capture Aang. And then my boy, Zhao, (laughs) my best friend, Zhao. Who we missed. I missed so dearly. And I didn't realize how much I missed him until he stepped out of the shadows. And I was like, Uh I love you, man. You're great. You're terrible, but you're great. (laughs) Yep. Aang is just as surprised to see him as we are. And Zhao smirks and tells Aang that one doesn't catch pheasant squirrels by staying on a boat. You hunt them where they live, which is like such a cool line. I don't think Mm -hmm. he was really like that cool in the series in terms of like one liners, but you can tell he's feeling good about himself. His plan kind of worked out here and he's like, I'm the man. I'm an evil mastermind. I am going <laughs> yep. to get to massage Ozai's feet so well, is what he's thinking. <laughs> the top honor, massaging the uh-huh. Fire Lord's feet. <laughs> you know, in a weird way, this also kind of calls back to the Fire Temple, how he waited. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't thinking that. We were talking about the weird connection between Zhao and like the Jedi and how the yeah. Jedi wait. I forgot about that. That's absolutely right. Oh, my God. Zhao tells the merchant that he can keep as many of the relics as he wishes because they've already served their purpose. Now, what Zhao tells us next is just like the world building I wanted in this comic. Like they could have left us with just this. And I think I would have been pretty happy. Mm -hmm. We learn from Zhao that this same tactic was used by Sozin so many years ago. So Fire Lord Sozin wasn't convinced that all of the airbenders were killed during the initial attacks and the initial genocide. So he set up little traps across the world in caves and would have his forces wait and kill any airbender unfortunate enough to show up. Just stab me in the heart, why don't you? What I really like about this is it shows just how cunning Sozin was and just how evil he really was. He, He was like, oh, I invaded all their homes. I'm not convinced they're all dead. Going out of your way to lure them out with hope. Yeah. That they're not alone, mm-hmm. only to kill them. Diabolical. It's absolutely diabolical. I'm once again getting Star Wars vibes from Avatar, The Last Airbender, in terms of yeah. Order 66 and, and all of that. Like, so much similarities going on. Just revisiting mm-hmm. this, this time frame. Just, ooh, just shivers down my spine. Aang uses the relics to escape Zhao and his men and ends up reuniting with Sokka and Katara the next morning, who have been searching for him. Katara asks Aang what he's doing out in the mountains, but then realizes that the mountains must remind him of home. All these mountains, Katara, airbenders would have loved to stay here. They would have. (laughs) This is what kills me. They would have been attracted to this place. I'm dead. Dagger twist. I'm devastated. Oh my God. Coming from Katara, trying to be like motherly. (laughs) And like, yeah. Supportive, yep. and it's mm-hmm. like you don't know what I just saw, no. Katara. Just this is what she did. She took a fistful of of salt, threw it in uh-huh. the wound, and twisted dagger to like Ooh. really blend it all together. That's what she did right there. Just uh, 
Yeah, a few of them probably were, Aang says defeatedly. Man. Yeah. Well, if you couldn't tell, that's the biggest difference between a lot of these comics. Some are fun about Aang having a cold and, you know, sneezing himself into hurricanes and being spotted by the Fire Nation. Then there's others that talk about the absolute diabolical and Mm -hmm. deadly plans of the Fire Nation to continue to eradicate the air nomads out of existence. So thanks, comics, for like, you know, just completely destroying me. I just don't know what to expect whenever I read a story at all, Mm -hmm. except if it stars Momo. Those usually know what to expect. He's going to (laughs) eat. He's going to steal some fruit and run away and eat it. That's usually how that goes. Usually. Yep. A couple of things about this comic, though. We saw so many relics, right? So there's stuff here in this comic that we didn't see at any of the Air Nomad temples, including like, you know, there's a statue of an airbender. There's a staff, beads, gong, a horn, a pendant, pottery. And then also something called a Dorja, which is similar to something called a Vajra in Arv world, which is like a small ritual object that's also a weapon. It's oh. um the thing in the comic where Aang is like, okay, so it's actually, this is a really terrible comparison. Uh-oh. It's kind of like one of those automatic scooters. I, I don't know what they're called, but you stand on it and it has two wheels on each side and you like lean oh, to yeah, go yeah, forward yeah, yeah. and back and stuff. About. Yep. It looks like that, except the wheels are rounded and kind of pointed on the ends. So this object symbolizes the firmness of spirit and spiritual power. It also has a symbolic nature of a diamond. It can cut anything, but not be cut itself. Hmm. Interesting. And apparently it's a very prominent symbol and item when it comes to Tibetan Buddhists. You see it a lot in like their table spreads with like ritualistic objects and things. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. They took a lot of inspiration from Buddhism in this in this comic. Yeah, that was really cool. The, just seeing all that. I didn't. I mean, you're the you're the expert on these things, not me. You're the one that's just like this is <laughs> I'm the deep diver. <laughs> Look at all this cool stuff, and I'm like, I didn't even notice that. I'm just like obsessed with Zhao, just staring at him, looking, uh-huh. being uh, lit from behind <laughs> with an evil expression on his face. Something I do want to note too about the art style is this one was so similar to the animated series. And yeah, very. I really appreciated that, especially with the content that it added and the perspective that it added from the Sozin era that I'm not going to lie, did not expect to see anything about mm-hmm. Sozin in the, these books whatsoever. So that was a very welcomed addition. Yeah. The art style really reminds me of Katara and the, and the Pirate's Treasure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the the coloring was a bit better in Katara and the Pirate Silver, but yeah, but it was very true to the animated series, which is what you want in these books. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to have like something super stylized that looks drastically different because it kind of deters from the experience. And that's kind of like, I think why I didn't like the Momo adventure, which is the the tail end of this book. It was just like, Momo looks show accurate, but literally nothing else did. And it, you know, yeah. it wasn't full color, it was super stylized, it was a fun little thing. And keeping in mind that like a lot of these comics are just collected from other other publications. So some of these were additions to like the DVD Blu-ray box set. Like they just kind of threw it in there as like a free little here, like have a comic with this. Uh they were published in Nickelodeon magazine and Nickelodeon Comics Club. So it was just collected by Dark Horse after the fact. So again, they're not all going to yeah. be gems, let's say. Mm-hmm. Free comic book day. I remember going to a couple right. of those and, and getting a couple of Avatar comics and being so excited. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then a final note about a word that we said that we didn't explain, stupa. Yeah. That is really cool because stupa is also something that's Buddhist in origin. It's a It's a Buddhist structure typically built to contain the remains of a famous monk. And it has eyes painted on the four sides representing the all-seeing gaze of the Buddha. So this is something that got Aang so excited. He's going up this mountain and he sees a stupa. It's almost like a, a bell shape where mm-hmm. the bottom is is wide and then it tapers into almost like a handle point. And then there's eyes along the side. So that's also apparently taken from real world inspiration. Yes. I, I, I love that. And I think taking... The break kind of, and I'll say this, we took our break, but also before that, the episodes weren't necessarily like super deep divey heavy. It was more just like wrapping Mm -hmm. up everything right. So I missed this kind of like deep dive kind of thing, like learning about what a stupa is and seeing all these artifacts and what they were used for in real world. Like I'm just like getting that taste again and feeling pretty good about it. So Mm -hmm. good. World building. Yes, absolutely. You ready to jump into book two? I am. Let's do it. So apparently... There is a town 
in the Earth Kingdom that believes that Sokka is, in fact, the Avatar. (laughs) No way. This story I love for obvious reasons. Everyone knows that Sokka is just like my favorite of all time. Mm-hmm. So this adventure starts with shopping, as Sokka adventures typically do. Yes, I was going to say, of course it does. <laughs> yeah. So Sokka tries to impress a pretty Earth Kingdom girl named Kaya by trying to tell her that he is a real hero who has been on incredible adventures. I mean, after all, hasn't she heard of the Avatar? Uh-oh. Well, Kaya takes this to mean that Sokka is the Avatar and Aang who is wearing a faux fur cap at this point to hide his arrow, speaks up and confirms that Sokka is the Avatar, which is surprising. (laughs) When you wake up and choose chaos. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) Of course he is. Yeah, yeah, this guy, yeah, absolutely. He's the Avatar. After faking some airbending, Kaya exclaims that she can't wait to tell the town that her new boyfriend is the Avatar. And Sokka is like, ooh, boyfriend? Yes, I like the sound of that. He succeeded. Kaya does not waste any time, Acorn, because she immediately introduces Sokka to her family as the Avatar. And Sokka introduces Aang as his servant, which Aang doesn't really appreciate all too well. Aang goes to help Kaya's family servant clean the house. Sokka tries to convince Kaya to not tell too many people that he's the Avatar, but it's a bit too late because basically the entire town is outside of her house asking for Sokka's help and wisdom. (laughs) <laughs> After giving some terrible advice, Katara and Toph show up in the crowd and are about to expose the ruse. Sokka begs them to play along, and they do as his sidekicks, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Someone in the crowd demands a bending demonstration, and Katara and Toph are all too happy to help Sokka, if you catch my pause there. Oh, they're going to help him, all right. Mm -hmm. The help is actually cut short as the rough rhinos come charging in. The rough rhinos manage to bind Sokka, so it's up to Katara and the rest of Team Avatar to save the day. With the combined might of Team Avatar's bending, the rough rhinos are easily defeated, and the town cheers for Sokka. (laughs) Kaya yells about how cool it is that Sokka was able to use his bending while also tied up, and on top of that, He was even gracious enough to let his sidekicks and servant think that they were the ones helping and bending. Oh, my God. Sokka does not correct Kaya. And Team Avatar finally exposed Sokka as not being the Avatar, which in my mind, my headcanon, if I'm going to add on to this really quickly, Uh doesn't stick. Oh, no. They (laughs) the the comic, they walk off together and he's like, you know, I just just so you know, I once saved an entire water tribe. And she's like, really? Yeah. I love this. Uh, This (laughs) adds just a funny little twist that there's somewhere in the world they believe that Sokka is the Avatar. Yep. And I love it so much. I love it. So good. And like the whole thing about Kaya, I read that that was a decision made by Joshua Hamilton, who's a writer for Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm -hmm. She appears in the comic without a name, but according to the script direction, they gave her the name Kaya, which, as you all remember, was going to be Katara's name until they used it for her mom. That's a weird connection. Yeah. It's still good. I mean, they were using the name they wanted to use, but now I'm getting more shades of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Brother and sister. The next uh, chapter that I kind of wanted to bring up is a little bit of flavor onto a story we already know. You know how Earth King Kue just kind of up and leaves Team Avatar in between books two and three? They just kind of mentioned like, oh, yeah, he just like Mm -hmm. decided to wander the world and see what the common man does. Well, this is actually Sokka's doing, believe it or not. In between books two and three, Sokka and Toph laugh about how spoiled Bosco the bear is. The Earth King was feeding the bear with chopsticks and it took Bosco hours to finish his meal. And Sokka tries to go to sleep in his tent only to find Bosco fast asleep already (laughs) in his bed, in Sokka's bed, that is. Kuei tells the warrior that Bosco isn't used to sleeping without a roof over his head, and he just loves a comfy bed. The next morning, Sokka sees that Kuei is reading a book to Bosco on how to survive in the wild. Sokka rips up the book immediately and exclaims that the only survival book he needs is him. It's Bosco. Bosco is the book. Sokka will teach the bear how to be a bear, which is hilarious, by the way. Sokka thinks he's a better bear. Why would Sokka be like, yeah, the expert? (laughs) 
It comes from know. the Southern Water Tribe, the Arctic. Like the closest is. You can't even forage that well for food. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know, but it's really funny. After a day of failed attempts at gathering food and seeking shelter, Sokka is convinced that the day was wasted. Kue corrects the young warrior and tells him that they did learn something today. He learned that much like Bosco does not know how to be a bear, the king does not know how to be a normal person in the world outside of Ba Sing Se. The Earth King decides that he will experience the world as a humble man, and he and Bosco tear off their royal clothing, revealing casual clothes underneath, and the two ride away, just like we see in the show. Yep. Sokka watches the two walking off into the sunset, shocked at their decision. Then Sokka does the most Sokka thing I think I've ever seen him do, and it's contained in these pages. He puts on the king's crown and asks Toph if King Sokka sounds good to her. <laughs> I'm not calling you that, Toph tells him. <laughs> I love this comic because it shows you what happened before that quick little scene in the yep. show where it shows King Kuei and Bosco taking off his normal people. Yeah. And I enjoyed the Earth King quite a bit. I thought he was just like a lovable dummy. And I kind of like mm-hmm. that. So I, I got to see, we get to see a little bit more of him and I super appreciate it. And Bosco, who doesn't love seeing more Bosco? <sighs> Bosco the bear. I just, love just Bosco bear. the bear. It's so good. It's so good. The final tale that I thought was of note and again, takes place in between books two and three. It was called Going Home Again. And for anyone who remembers about some of the gaps in between books two and three. So this is also going to take place at the same time as It's Only Natural, which was the last thing we talked about. Zuko goes back to the Fire Nation. But what was interesting is that Zuko did not want to initially go back to the Fire Nation after book two, after the events of book two. And here's the twist. Did you know that Zuko and May's relationship is actually an evil Azula manipulation just to get him to go back home? I did not know that, but it Mm -hmm. reminds me of when they were kids Mm -hmm. and Azula kind of sets them up in the Mm -hmm. palace courtyard. That's what I was thinking too. So. After Zuko's betrayal in the Crystal Caves, he was feeling pretty bad and angry with himself, although he didn't realize he was mad at himself at this point because the beach hadn't happened yet. But, you know, he was just mad at himself to learn. He overhears two guards feeling bad for Iroh as he was once a great leader and a great man. Zuko is furious and firebends at the prison guards and tells them to get back to work. Zuko walks to the throne room where he learns that Azula is going back to the Fire Nation. Zuko is confused since she is giving up control of Ba Sing Se, but Azula tells her brother not to worry as she is leaving control to someone who will execute the will of the Fire Lord without question. You know who that someone is, Acorn? <laughs> no, who is, who is Supreme it? Supreme Bureaucratic Administrator Judy. Oh, no. <laughs> Azula leaves Ba Sing Se to Judy. <laughs> oh, no, not Judy. Yep. So Zuko tells his sister that he will not be going back home and storms off. Azula is not happy with this. And with the help of Ty Lee, hatches a plan to make Zuko want to go back home. Using Zuko and May's childhood crushes to her advantage, Azula sets up a fake meeting that is automatically a romantic candlelit dinner, complete with terrible singing from a Dai Li agent. I love that. She somehow got a Dai Li agent. The most serious of all of the like military people. Like mm-hmm. in all of Avatar, to sing, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Hearing Tai Lee and Azula laughing from nearby bushes, Zuko and May decide to leave the dinner and take a walk through the city of Ba Sing Se, where they run into Jing, of all people. Oh, oh God, not on a date. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Jing, only knowing Zuko as Lee, the boy from the tea shop, quickly introduces May as a knife thrower from the circus because we all remember he was a juggler from the circus. Uh huh. After a quick demonstration that ends with Zuko practically swimming in Firelight Fountain, May and Zuko run off through the streets and eventually end up sharing a kiss. I am so glad there was no awkward like, but I thought he was my boyfriend subplot there. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going there for sure. Yeah, it was more like... May having fun with the situation going, yeah, yeah, of course I'm from the circus. Here, let me have a a demonstration. Let me use Zuko for this demonstration. Make him uncomfortable. And at this point, too, I feel like May might think she's above Jing because of her status. Because she Mm. hasn't quite turned on Azula yet. This is, again, in between books two and three. So she's probably like, oh, this is cute. She thinks they're a couple. Or they were. They had a thing. 
but they didn't do they didn't like explore that beyond the whole just making fun of Zuko essentially. Mm-hmm. The next morning, Zuko is still hesitant to go back to the Fire Nation with May when Iroh is escorted onto a ship in shackles right in front of his nephew. Azula casually wonders out loud if the old man will even survive the trip home, which causes Zuko to change his mind and join his sister and his girlfriend on their journey back to the Fire Nation. I think that's what really did it. It wasn't I think it just was a combination. May, it was all, yeah. It was also Iroh. I think having May on there kind of like helped open him up to the idea that he wouldn't be alone if he went. And then when he saw Iroh, he was like, I'm going mm-hmm. in that Zuko way. But yes. So those are the only things that we thought were of note that took place in book one and two and a little bit after book two as well, in between books two and three. But now, Acorn, what do you have to tell us about book three? I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. I think book three had some of the best stories, personally. I do too. Aside from Relics. Relics is like, you know, just punching up my soul, making me feel so bad. I know. But the next story in book three is a really funny one. What if I told you Sokka is technically a Fire Nation soldier? I want to know more. Please tell me more. (laughs) Well, when the gang was in the Fire Nation in book three, Sokka became frustrated that they didn't have any practical information about the enemy. I mean, they were there in enemy territory too. So after some brainstorming, he decides the best way to learn about the enemy is to observe them in their daily lives. So he and Team Avatar head to a market town, hoping to uncover some shady Fire Nation secrets. However, Toph correctly guesses that all they were going to see is innocent citizens shopping and going about their business. After spending all day spying on various citizens, Aang, Katara, and Toph agree that this is going nowhere and Sokka needs to end this. But at that moment, Sokka comes up with a new plan. He will join the Fire Nation army and gather information from the inside. (laughs) It's the perfect plan. Perfect. What could go wrong? He'll just, you know, leave after a few days of being undercover. He'll have all this great information. It's the perfect plan. His friends are very much against this idea, though. And they're also skeptical that the army would not even let him in. But they all find out that the army isn't that picky. Sokka is recruited on the spot while dressed as Wang Fire. You got a pulse, right? You're hired. (laughs) basically yep he also looks old enough because he has his wang fire beard of course that's the perfect disguise he looks like a 45 year old man immediately (laughs) he does it's incredible (laughs) so Sokka goes to boot camp and he promptly gets on the bad side of the base's leader who decides to keep a close eye on this new recruit Mm -hmm. through clumsiness and inexperience Sokka racks up infractions until he finally rips the base leader's prized sash on accident Furious, the base leader punishes Sokka with a stint in the Musao pens, where he is expected to shovel their droppings. Sokka is lamenting to the Musaos that evening that his big idea hasn't paid off with any valuable information yet, when he overhears two soldiers talking about plans for the new recruits to be shipped out to the front line tomorrow. Sokka panics, knowing that if he's there by morning, he'll be a Fire Nation soldier for real. For realsies. For realsies. And on the front line, too, he sneaks past the guards and escapes the boot camp that night. The next morning, Private Fire is discovered missing during roll call. The base is searched, and when no Private Fire is to be found, the base leader orders his soldiers to search for him in the surrounding land. Private Fire is now a criminal deserter of the Fire Nation. By that point, Sokka has returned to his friends and is frantically telling them that they have to go now. But before they can leave the cave they're hiding in, the Fire Nation army finds them. Thinking quickly on his feet, Sokka tells them that the reason he left the camp is because he tracked Earthbender and Waterbender spies to this very cave. The soldiers don't believe him, though, and begin dragging him away when a tidal wave and rocks come flying out of the cave. Katara and Toph heard him and are now proving his story to be true. The base leader is too stunned and nervous to give any commands. So (laughs) Sokka takes this opportunity and just swaggers right into the cave saying, I'll take care of those dangerous benders myself. Once inside, he and his friends quickly plan an escape through the back of the cave. And while Toph creates an opening for them, they make fighting sounds to convince the soldiers of the encounter. But Toph's earthbending results in the cave getting caved in. And so the base leader and soldiers watch horrified as this cave caves in and their brave soldier, Private Fire, is supposedly buried alive. The bravest of us all. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> when they get back to camp, they ensure that they erect a memorial in Private Fire's honor. I love this story so much. It's hilarious. And like the best part may actually be his picture at the end in the memorial because it shows him in yeah. his, his Wang Fire outfit. And he has this like little like buck tooth grin. He's basically a war hero for the Fire Nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, so he's good. still a soldier. He's a soldier and a war hero yeah. of the Fire Nation army. It's so good. It's so this one actually, uh, one of our patrons, Dominic, uh, wrote into us about this one. So when I saw this on the table of contents, I was so excited. So it did not yeah. disappoint. Did not disappoint even a little bit. I love it so nope. much. Uh, wow. Just imagine being on the Fire Nation and then having this new recruit run towards danger. That's what this poor general or whatever his uh, title was. It's just like this guy. Yeah. His memory lives on. I'll personally see to it. <laughs> the bravest soldier I ever trained. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So good. So, so well done. So aside from this story, which I think is the best one in book three. Yeah. There's two other stories I want to point out. Mm-hmm. And I think Greg has one of his own. Yes. But the two I enjoyed are called Boys Day Out and Dragon Days. And I like Boys Day Out because it's kind of like a spinoff of Katara's and Toph's tale from the Tales of Ba Sing Se, mm-hmm. where Katara's bored. They're camped out above a Fire Nation village. And she's like, guys, can't we do something? I'm so bored. And Aang's busy training and Sokka's busy planning. And so she asks Toph if she wants to go with her into the town. And Toph's like, nah. Last time we did this, I got dressed up like a girl and it wasn't a good time. And so Katara is like, all right, well, what if I promise we're going to go someplace tough? And Toph's like, I'm listening. So they go into the town. They find this like boys bar that only allows men in and they dress up as boys and go in there. And the reason I love it so much is because it's like Katara gets unleashed. She allows herself to become this other alter ego And I almost think that she channels Toph here because she's like picking fights and calling people names and like really getting into character until they're finally kicked out of the bar. And they trudge back to camp, kind of worn out, kind of dirty. And the story ends with them going to a spa and Toph saying, you know, it's not so bad being a girl. Yeah. It's nice just to be able to relax in mud baths, which is Mm -hmm. her element. Some might say. Yeah. Mud baths, tea sandwiches. Yep. Yeah. And again, this story illustrated, it's a little more of an exaggerated way, but still very much inconsistent with the animated series. So again, Mm -hmm. like another like just tie that makes you kind of feel more in this world. And I think this style is what we'll see more going forward. Not like straight animated, adapted into like a flat comic book format, but something a little more exaggerated to a little more personality, let's say that yeah, we're, more we're missing styles. out. Yeah, we're going to be missing out on uh, because we don't have that like amazing animation team to kind of like back mm-hmm. it up. So, yep. The other story I liked was Dragon Days, mm-hmm. which is a flashback story that tells of a time when Aang and Kuzan went looking for a dragon. This is before the Hundred Year War, before Aang got frozen in an iceberg. And they find this green dragon and discover that there's a bunch of raiders who are trying to lure it out of its cave so they can steal its egg. And so the story is about them recovering the egg, making friends with the dragon and saving the day. And I wanted to bring this up because dragons have been such a huge part of the story yeah. so far. And we've gotten so excited about being able to meet the dragon masters and also Fang, Iroh's spirit guide. Mm-hmm. And this is the final dragon that has been specifically noted in the world. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a big, that's huge right there. Mm-hmm. Canonically. Yeah, canonically, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it was great to kind of see that little flashback and see Kuzan in action, so to speak, Mm -hmm. which is really kind of cool and see his dynamic with Aang. I just personally wish something a little meatier happened. You know what I mean? Like a little little something extra. Like, I think, honestly, Relics just spoiled me. I think Relics is just like top tier. So good. I want more of that, which what I'm guessing is what we're going to be getting moving forward after this. Uh Uh-huh. With the new content? Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. Yep. The one thing I wanted to kind of bring up was a story called Sword Bending, which was very quick. It wasn't anything monumental like relics. But what was interesting is we learn about how Zuko became such a great swordsman. Mm. 
And there is that tie between Zuko and Sokka, again, that makes them kind of bond a little bit more and solidifies, in my mind, their relationship and their friendship a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might have already figured out what I'm going to say. Zuko, we learn in Swordbending, was trained by none other than Master Pian Dao when he was a kid. So cool. I love that. It makes sense. It just makes sense. It does. Yep. Nothing but the best for Prince Zuko. Exactly. Yeah. Especially in the Fire Nation, the, the Swords Master is in the Fire Nation. Yeah, of course, Ozai yep. is going to bring him there. Like, no, no question about it. And if you're wondering who the better sword fighter is, you'll be disappointed to know that it's not Sokka. That Zuko <laughs> yeah. is a much better swordsman than Sokka is, which is not surprising. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. He's been doing it longer, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. He's the blue spirit for crying out loud. Yeah. Sokka trained with Pian Dao for what? A couple days at most. Yeah. It wasn't very long. So he just really relied on his natural ability and a couple lessons from Master Pian Dao to become what he is in terms of that. But Zuko was really, I would assume, had many and many a days, weeks, if not months with the Mm -hmm. master. So I thought that was like a nice little touch right there. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way. This is why Zuko is so good at sword fighting because he was taught by the best. And you know the best is Master Pian Dao because we spent an entire episode telling you about it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Nice little detail. Yeah. And there are some other cool adventures in here that were interesting and were entertaining. If you want to kind of hear about those, just as an example really quickly, you see a third, or should I say, second battle with Combustion Man. So if that kind of issue to see that action, that was kind of cool. On a train. On a train, no less. Amazing. There is a really cool tale about an orphanage in the Earth Kingdom. And you kind of see some of the repercussions that the war had. We already kind of saw some of this in the animated series, but you kind of see a little bit more about what the 100-year war has done to this world. Mm -hmm. And the story that we talked about in the beach... Ember Island Arcade is also in this book. That's right. That's right. So if this interests you, please go pick it up. It was a great read. It's a very quick read because it's it's divided up into chapters of like one to 10 pages, depending which one you're reading. Would you recommend it? It's just these were some of the highlights and some of the things that we really loved and we wanted to share with everyone. So we hope you enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. And from here, we're going to move on to Team Avatar Tales, which was originally a separate book that they combined into this anthology. And out of that, we're going to talk about two stories. The first one being a tale called Rebound. I don't know if you knew this, but May once dated a boy from a flower shop. I don't believe it. And it wasn't Zuko. I definitely don't believe it now. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Now, technically, this tale takes place sometime after The Promise Part 2, but I don't think it's very spoilery, so we're just going to talk about it. At this point in time, May was working in her Aunt Mura's flower shop, And at this time, she and Zuko were broken up. They were not a couple. And she's in this flower shop looking at a picture of him, just kind of being moody. And her aunt interrupts to say that she hired May, hoping the flowers would cheer her up. A gloomy May replies, she didn't know what her aunt was talking about. Kind of like in denial, like, why would you think I need cheering up? Mm -hmm. Just then, a boy comes into the flower shop. He announces that he needs a bouquet for someone special. And Aunt Mura instantly offers May to help him saying, oh yeah, my assistant will take care of you in the way that ants do. You're like, ooh, cute boy. Let's have... Mm, what's his my, story? <laughs> yeah, let's have my niece help. Yeah. So the two begin talking and May asks what kind of bouquet he's looking for. And he tells her the kind of bouquet that says you're beautiful. May, not really being into the conversation, just points at an arrangement that she just finished. And he asks her if she likes the bouquet. And when she says yes, he says, okay, I'll buy it. When he doesn't immediately leave the shop afterwards, though, it's revealed that he bought the bouquet for her and asks her out on a date. For whatever reason, May says yes. And so that evening, they go to a noodle shop and the boy named Kylo, not Kylo Ren, but Kylo. What? Come on. (laughs) We almost had another Star Wars connection there. Almost. Almost. He tries his hardest to get May to smile. And when he catches her smiling at one of his jokes, he tells her that he promises if she admits that she smiled, he'll tell her a secret. May agrees, and he takes her down the street to a stairwell that leads down into an old building. And at this point, Kylo tells May, almost as like a warning, that he didn't go out with her for politics and that he does really like her. 
They go through the door and May finds herself looking at her father standing in a room with Fire Nation insignia, weapons, and a tapestry of Ozai. Mm. And May's father explains to her that even though Zuko offered him a government job after the Hundred Year War, Ukano was dissatisfied with the position because he used to be a governor of the city of New Ozai. So it's like, why are you giving me this crap? I had a more important role before. Yeah. Ever since then, he has remained an Ozai loyalist, and he and those like him are seeking to reinstate Ozai as Fire Lord, which is a big uh uh-oh. That's really cool, though, that they're continuing the story in that. Like, of course, there's going to be like loyalists, right? There always is. Yeah. Yeah, That's so cool. When a regime falls, there's usually the loyalists who are like, no, reinstate the person that we serve. I used to have a whole city. Give me that back. Exactly. Yep. They want the perks back. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Well... Tom Tom, May's little brother, Tom spots Tom! his sister. We I get love to him. see him again. Yeah. I love him so much. He excitedly toddles over to May, and May is disturbed that her father allowed her brother into a place like this. Ukano attempts to persuade May to join them and help them bring down the new Fire Nation rule because she used to be so close to Zuko. And it's like, let us use your intimate knowledge of Zuko so we can take him down. But May refuses and tells them that she and Tom Tom are leaving immediately. The members of the new Ozai society attempt to bring her down unharmed, but they are no match for May. Kylo is the last one standing and tells May that even though he'd been ordered by Ukano to lead her there that evening, he really does like her. He's trying again, like, listen, Mm -hmm. we met in a weird way, but I like you. Let's keep dating. But May knocks him out and is like, no, this date's over. As one does. (laughs) As she should. As she should. The next day, May takes Tom Tom with her to her aunt's flower shop where the little boy plays with the plants and May pines over a picture of her and Zuko. Oh, poor May. The end. Yeah. I like how it kind of sets up or seems to set up their reunion. You know, they've broken up, but she still hasn't stopped thinking about Zuko. She still is maybe wanting to get back together. So I'm excited to see where this fits in once we get to the promise. I'm excited to see that May went back for her brother. Yeah. And rescued him from what could be and is most definitely a very toxic parental situation. Her dad even said in that scene that he started too late with her. He didn't like bring her into the politics at a young enough age. Yeah. And that's something he's not going to repeat with Tom Tom, which is like, whoa. That's yeah, that's intense. I'm glad Tom Tom is in good hands now. Yeah. I like to think that Aunt Murrow is going to raise him now. Absolutely. And she looks so kind too. Just like her, she does. her design. Like she looks like that like typical classic. Well, I'm just gonna say it, Aunt May kind of look. I was gonna say yeah. like an Aunt May character. Yeah. Aunt May. Or if you're a DC fan, kind of like that like Ma Kent kind of look, just like very pleasant, mm-hmm. very rounded shapes, just you know, very nice neutral tones. Just great. Just wonderful. I love her so yep. much. I hope we get to read more about her in the upcoming books. Maybe, maybe not, yeah. but I hope so. It'd be cool if she was a character in them. Yeah. She might be my new Zhao, but on like the other end of the spectrum. (laughs) She's a sweet old lady. Yeah. I like her. Well, our next and final story Mm -hmm. is called Shells. And Shells also takes place sometime after The Promise Part 1. There's a mention of something that's going on in the world at the time. But again, it's not very spoilery. Did you know that Sokka had a secret passion that was never revealed in the series? I know everything about Sokka. I don't believe you. (laughs) I'm very combative with this book. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yep. Well, apparently Sokka has always wanted to be a shell collector. Mm -hmm. And he tells Suki this when they go visit Seashell Sands House of Shells. Try saying that five times fast. Um, No. No, thank you. Yeah. no, No. I don't think it's... I want everyone to know that Acorn did that in one take. I'm not being facetious. <laughs> that would have yep. taken me at least five. I've always been pretty good at tongue twisters. Yeah. Yeah. Sokka is calling this place the coolest store ever. And his enthusiasm for shells surprises Suki, who tells him that she didn't know he was a collector. And Sokka clarifies after kind of saying that he is, that he's always wanted to be a collector. The shop owner, Sen, tells them that his shells are, in fact, the world's finest collectible shells. As they browse, another customer comes in, a young girl. And when San spots the young girl, he whispers to his employee, Jojan, that he hates fake collectors. This is a very sexist comment to make, but he said all girls are fake collectors because girls don't collect shells and they only come in there to look cool. Girls don't read comic books. Girls don't play video games. (laughs) Yep. 
That's what the internet told me. I think that's exactly me. what they were pulling 100%, from. 100%, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. When the young girl accurately identifies one of the shells and estimates its age through expert observation, Sand tells her the shell is more than she can afford, which is his way of shutting her down. Upon hearing this, Suki gets involved. She asks if there's a problem here, and Sand gets in her face about minding her own business. He tells Jojon to escort Suki out, and Suki is seized. She tells him to get his hands off of her, to which Saka warns almost casually. He's like looking at a shell going, if I were you, I'd listen to her. I'd do what she says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they don't listen. And so after another warning, Suki throws Jojen over her shoulder and onto the floor. At this point, San loses his temper and goes after Suki himself with firebending. But Suki, of course, deflects and blocks his chi easily. And the man falls to the floor. She and a proud Sokka leave the store as it goes up in flames from the owner's careless attacks. Sokka even makes like a comment like, hmm, I wonder what makes shells so flammable. Do you think it's the lacquer on them? (laughs) He's like, just enjoying himself. Maybe. Outside, Suki chases down the girl who's named Gia. Gia asks Suki where she learned how to fight like that. And Suki tells her she's one of the Kyoshi warriors. She offers to teach Gia some moves that she can defend herself in the future, but Gia is self-conscious and thinks she's too weak. Suki then tells her a story about Kyoshi Island long ago. She tells her that jerks lived there too, and whenever Kyoshi visited the island, she'd put those jerks in their place. She then offered to teach the woman involved how to defend herself, and that's how the first band of Kyoshi warriors were formed, with regular women from the village. Suki tells Gia that that kind of strength is something you learn, and it's something that Gia can learn too. Gia, excited and thankful, asks if she can bring some of her friends to learn, and she does, and they all learn some moves on the beach. That's awesome. We got the origin of the Kyoshi Warriors out of this. Yeah, and I had a thought. You know, we haven't read the Kyoshi books yet. That's really like the origin of Kyoshi herself, and I'm curious to see if that comes up at all. I know, me too. Um, If this is like canonical, if it's countered by what was written in the Kyoshi novels. So we're going to bookmark this in our brains Mm -hmm. and come back to it when we get to Kyoshi books. I would imagine, pure speculation at this point, that this would be canonical because this takes place technically after The Promise Part 1. So I feel Mm -hmm. like they were probably paying particular attention to detail, although I guess so was um, Suki alone. And as we remembered, there is some discrepancies there. So Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll just have to wait and find out. Till we get to the Kyoshi novels, which I'm so excited for. Yeah. And from what I know, F.C. Lee is very true to the world. Yeah. The world building and like the detail that was put into the Kyoshi novels refers to a lot of things that are in the background in the show. So mm-hmm. I think that one's going to be extremely canonical. And then we'll be able to tell how well this one did this whole story. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to find out. Again, same thing with this. There's a bunch of other really cute other tales that are in here. There's one about the boulder's cat that's named the pebble. We talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, that one was really kind of funny. It's very cutesy design, very lighthearted, just all around fun. And it mm-hmm. highlights, I guess, how, <laughs> for lack of a better term, ignorant the boulder can be in terms of some things mm-hmm. and how just kind of dumb he can be sometimes, too. But he means well, and that's what's important. I think. Yeah. If any of that interests you, we recommend checking out that book as well. Again, what we read was collected in 2020 and again was the culmination of two different books. This one was called The Lost Adventures and Team Avatar Tales. It's the library edition, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Usually, if you don't have access to download these off of Amazon, which you can do for a fairly decent price, in my opinion. You can always go to your local library and check out any of the books that we're going to be covering. They should be there. At least mine had them all in. Mm-hmm. I would mine feel too. like a lot of them. Yeah. And um, there's also always online reading as well. So there's plenty of ways to get that. If you don't want to read them, you can just listen along with us. And we're having a great time so far. Again, a little extra work than what we thought, but I think a lot of the payoffs are really worth it. Oh, yeah. Still yeah. very gratifying. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well... If you are caught up on all of the episodes so far and you've done your reading for next week, which is going to be what, Acorn? The Promise, part one. The first trade paperback of The Promise. You can always join me, as many people have done, which I'm very happy to see and I'm very surprised. And it just brings me joy over at twitch.tv slash boostergreg. At the time of recording this, we're currently playing Kina, which I've just learned is not pronounced Kenna. After the first <laughs> yep, stream. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. If you enjoy Avatar The Last Airbender, you're probably going to like this game. 
I was getting some uh, like yes. similar vibes off of it. It was really cool. We're probably going to be playing that for the foreseeable future. So come on down. If we've beaten that game already, there's always a, another great one to be had. And that's on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also find me on Twitter. If you find my Instagram, it's pretty much dead, but some people have been following me on there and I appreciate it. So hey, what's up, Instagram <laughs> followers? Uh, and also on TikTok as well. I'm making TikToks. Yep. Yeah. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit or Joyce on Studio, where I create enamel pins, including the two for our official podcast, one of Appa, one of Top. So if you want to get your eyes or your mitts on those, you can go to Etsy and search Joyce on Studio, which is J-O-I-S-A-N-S Studio, or go to joyceons.com. Yeah. And I'm going to say this because you're not going to say it. There's a new pin on there that's not related to Avatar at all, but the show Dark Netflix is dark and it's so cool. That's right. The No Future jacket, it looks so good. It's got all these little details on it. And if you're a fan of the Dark Podcast or if you're a fan of Dark in general, you should go check that one out too because it looks so cool. Yeah, it's the newest one. It's so good. We're going to keep on going through our journey through the Avatar universe in the comic books. So keep on joining us for all this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the podcast. Podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 